You're listening to Season 6 of Fried, the Burnout Podcast with your host, Kate Donovan. Fried exists to hashtag end burnout culture, to help listeners release any shame, blame, guilt, or judgment that you have about burning out, and to create spontaneous moments of healing through recognition of shared humanity with other people who have experienced burnout and lived to tell the tale. Fried and its associated Facebook group are free resources provided for you from our hearts. Our paid work includes keynote speaking and one-on-one coaching. You can find information about that at katedonovan.com. And now, here is this week's Healing Packed episode. Hello, Fried fans. Welcome back to another episode of Fried the Burnout podcast. Today is a very special episode because not only do I get the chance to talk to someone that I admire, you get the chance to hear from someone that you will soon admire as well. Today, we're talking to Coop Blackson, who is a beloved inspirational speaker and transformational teacher. He speaks at countless events, that he organizes around the world, as well as outside events, including AFEST, Young Presidents Organization, and Entrepreneurs Organization. He's a member of the Transformational Leadership Council, a select group of 100 of the world's foremost authorities in the personal development industry. He is winner of the 2019 Unity New Thought Walden Award and is widely considered to be a next-generation leader in the field of personal development. His mission is simple, to awaken and inspire people across the planet to access inner freedom, live authentically, and fulfill their true life's purpose. Coot, welcome to Fried. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to have you. So listen, everybody, today's a little different. Normally, we start with the guest's burnout story. Coot Blackson does not have a burnout (laughs) story to share with us, which which is a good thing. It's always good to know that there are people out there that don't have a story because <laughs> we we get caught up in the facts that everybody's got one around here. And when I got the pitch from his company, the theme that popped up that Coot just wrote a book about was surrender. And I literally laughed out loud. Most of you know, I wrote a book that was released in 2020 called The Bounce Back Ability Factor. Bounce back ability equals resilience plus grit plus trust plus surrender. And in 175 or 80 episodes, wherever we are now, of Fried, I have never spoken on the topic of surrender. So, Coot, I'm uh-huh. going to sit back. I'm going to surrender. Cool. This episode a little bit and and I'm going to start with I'm going to start with why this. And I, I because I know that this came to you after you'd already been teaching a lot. You had already been out there with people and then something big happened in your life and it made you realize something. So I'd like to talk about that. Yeah, um Something big did happen. And I would say, well, first I would say this was definitely not the book I thought I was going to write. Mm. And The Magic of Surrender, I had no intention about writing this book. In fact, I wanted to write a whole different book. And I came up with like a hundred clever ideas of books that I thought were going to 
be New York Times bestsellers, books I thought my audience wanted, books I thought publishers would buy, books I thought would sell a gazillion copies. And I remember sitting one day with an entire whiteboard of very clever ideas and all great, but none of, if I was honest, none of them felt authentic. None of them felt real. None of them felt true. None of them felt aligned. And the mm-hmm. only word that stood out for me on that whiteboard was the word surrender. And I thought, oh, mm-hmm. shit, like <laughs> that, that's the book. And I resisted because I thought there's so many misconceptions about surrender yeah. that we know we should do it, but we don't do it for many reasons, which we can get into. Yeah. And and I resisted. And it took me a moment to surrender to the book about surrender. And I saw and I felt, again, if I was truly honest, that this book had an energy of its own and that this topic chose me and that I wasn't writing this book. I was just uh, in service to the message. And when I looked at, in that moment, I flashed and I looked at my entire life and I saw that everything in my life had been preparing me to write this book, my upbringing, my parents, my childhood, like this was the book and the theme that I was born to write and everything made sense. And so in that moment, um, the, that big event that happened in my life made sense. Basically, in 2016, uh, the end of 2016, my mother was diagnosed with stomach cancer. Mm. And, you know, my mother was is was the dearest person to me on the planet, the person I was closest to, loved the most, like a dear, dear best friend type of person. And uh, I was devastated. I was on a high. Um promoting my first book, You Are the One. And I was on Larry King and I was traveling and speaking. And then life has a way of humbling you in a very deep and profound way. And I get this phone call that says your mother has stomach cancer. And I was shocked because I thought I at least had another 10, 15 years with her. And so I was in LA and I began to fly back and forth from Los Angeles to London, literally every month to be with my mother. And I'd be with her for a week at a time fly back. A few more weeks in LA, fly back. And I'd be with her in chemo. I'd be with her with doctor treatments. And, and I had every intention to, to will her into health. And I had mm-hmm. my plan. I had my supplements. I had my theories and, and all of this strategy that I was going to heal my mother. And probably a month into this process, I think I realized that it wasn't going to work and she had her own path and she wasn't necessarily cooperating with my plan and she just had her own journey. And so I had to begin surrendering to her journey and her path, her soul's journey. And when I began to surrender and, and, and may, and accept that maybe she may not live, maybe this is it. it it's as though it transformed me because it's as though every moment became sacred and every moment became precious. I was no longer resisting the possibility of her death. I was no longer resisting the possibility of who knows. I was just with her, surrendered to what was happening and embracing what was happening and embracing the fact that this could potentially be the last moment, the last conversation, the last dinner, the last cup of tea, the last anything with my mother and I, I it was so profound because I would sit in chemo sessions with my mother, holding her hand, 
in such gratitude for this moment that I had with her. I would sit in the park with her. All the things that I deemed a waste of time because I was busy saving the planet that I didn't have time to just sit and take a walk in the park with my mother because it was just not productive was so precious for the first time. It like it could yeah. be the last moment. And so the 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 process of surrendering transformed my relationship to the moment, my relationship to her. And every moment began to become like so special. And and so about seven, maybe eight months into this process, um, we sat with maybe about six months into the process, we sat with the doctors in the hospital in London. And I'll never forget the doctors basically looked at her and said, there's nothing else that we can do for you. Um, so get your affairs in order and um, make a plan. And you, Basically, you're going to die. And I was preparing for that moment, but the reality of that moment, you know, uh, it, it was very heartbreaking. And, yeah. and so for me, I was in the parking lot of the hospital and I looked my mother in the eyes and I said, I asked her two questions. And this is where I realized the seed for this topic also. And this book was planted. I looked my mother in the eyes and I said, are you afraid? And my mother is a little Japanese woman. And, 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 and she said to me, I'm not afraid. She looks me straight in the eyes with total faith. And she said, I'm, I'm not afraid. And I said, why? Um, she says, because I know I'm not this body, that this body mm. is just a temporary vehicle for my soul and this body will go, but I, I'll be here. I'll be with you from the other side, guiding you, the body, my soul will live forever. It's eternal. And she was just at peace. And so I looked her in the eyes again and I said, mom, is there anything I can do for you in your final days? Is there anything I can anywhere I can take you, anything I can buy you. Like, what do you want? What do you need? Like, you name it, I'll do it. Wanting to be a good son. And she looks me in the eyes and she says, there's nothing I want and there's nothing I need. All I want is what God wants for my life, nothing else. And in that moment, I felt such a profound sense of who she was. And the depth of what she was communicating, not in a religious sense, but in a spiritual sense. And I saw that she wasn't attached to living. She wasn't attached to dying. She was just fully open and available to the highest unfolding of her life. And that, that was surrender in action. You know, it's easy to surrender when life is going your way. Your bank account's full. You're getting exactly <laughs> what you want. But to actually surrender when things aren't going your way, to actually surrender when life isn't flowing, to actually surrender when you're literally facing death is, is profound. And, and I saw the, the power of surrender in this raw, real human moment. Like my mother was completely surrendered to the, the highest for her. And she was at peace. And I saw that this was why for this entire year I got to be with her, she was in peace. And so when I was looking at this whiteboard and surrender hit me and I reflected back on my life and I reflected back on that moment, I saw that she was teaching me and preparing me for this topic. And 
it became clear and I saw and, and I really saw that surrender. I feel that surrender is the most powerful thing that we can do as human beings. That surrender is the key to manifestation. It's the real secret to manifestation. To me, surrender is the is the real key to the next level of our lives. If you look at any of the truly great ones, whether it's Jesus, whether it's Buddha, whether it's Gandhi, whether it's Mother Teresa, whether it's Bruce Lee, Muhammad Ali, uh, Mandela, at some point they they all surrendered themselves to life, to their purpose, to their souls, to their destiny, to to the divine, to the universe, whatever label you want to put. They say. They surrendered themselves, and in that surrender, these seemingly normal people transcended their human limitations, and they tapped into another dimension of potential that began to flow through them, and life used them. Life manifested through them, and miracles happened. And so, you know, I think in our culture, and I'm really, I don't know, I'm very excited about the the topic of surrender, because I feel as a humanity, if you look at the last few years, I feel as though we have been put into a global seminar on surrender. I feel as though we have, as a collective, we have been thrown into this surrender seminar with COVID, with a pandemic, never knowing, not knowing what's going to go up, down, lockdown, lockdown, this, that. And, and, and so on a spiritual level, I feel as though we are being initiated into a new way of living. One that is shifting from an old paradigm of ego in charge and control to a way of living in harmony and alignment with our souls and life and the universe. And to me, this is the path of surrender. And so I feel as though in our culture, this misconception or this myth of surrender as surrender is weak, surrender is passive, surrender means giving up, surrender means waving the white flag, surrender means you know, being taken advantage of, being a victim, being left behind, that you won't manifest your goals, dreams, and desires, that if you surrender, you're going to get less than what you intended. And I'm actually saying, no, like if you really understand the, the nature and the profound nature of surrender, what if you didn't get less, but you got more, more than we, you could have planned with your limited human logic what if you got more joy maybe not what you expected but beyond better better and beyond and and extraordinary where you look back and go i couldn't have planned that because it wasn't the you the i the limited ego personality that manifested and so you know just to set the context perhaps for the conversation like surrender is a letting go of control or i should say a letting go of the illusion of control. Uh, Surrender is, and I think control is like a master addiction. And so surrender is, is, is when we stop trying to force and manipulate life to fit our limited idea of how we think it should be and how we think a relationship should be. It's a letting go of who we think we should be and how we think life should be so that we can be so we take the limitations off of life so that we can be truly open and available to the highest unfolding that is seeking to happen. And so I think surrender is a willingness to allow life to show us, allow life to lead us in its infinite intelligence. And I think when we surrender, that's when the magic happens. And so that's kind of how the book came about. 
I love it. And this might, maybe this is a weird question and maybe it isn't. Do you, I know you said you feel like the book came through you. Yes. Was it your mom? Did your mom write this book? I don't know if my mom wrote the book, but she definitely demonstrated through her life um, in ways I didn't pay attention to. Right. But she was a living embodiment of of real surrender. My father was too, uh, in his own way. But I saw it was only when my mother passed away that I realized who she really was and how her entire life. I mean, she married my father from Ghana, West Africa without ever having seen him or ever having met him, which is a whole other story. Like she never saw him, met him, spoke to him and agreed to get married because she was surrendering to her soul and and how she lived her life. Very humble. Um, No ego was all about surrender. And, 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 And so I would say my mother didn't necessarily write the book. She lived the book. And through her living, her example informed me to write the book. Got it. So one of the things that you said that I think is a a key thing that's really important for this particular podcast and for the people that listen to this podcast is this idea of control as an addiction. Mm -hmm. And I do believe that a lot of burnout recovery aligns with a lot of addiction recovery. There's a Mm. lot of processes that are very similar in the, in these two systems because I think there is so much addiction within burnout, addiction to people-pleasing, addiction to control, addiction Mm -hmm. to goals that might not even belong to you, right? Goals that you created as a child because of trauma, addiction to keeping yourself safe with coping mechanisms that don't actually work for you anymore, but that you created as a five-year-old because something terrible happened to you. Mm -hmm. And so this this addiction to control piece... Mm -hmm. I think is going to be something that resonates. Those words are going to be something that resonates with my listeners. And and the thing that I feel in my body is that I did have to surrender a lot of control when I was going through burnout. I I had to. I was very controlled my whole entire life. Yes. yes. And I I had to let go of a lot of things because they were kill literally killing me. Killing, yes. yes. And so, but the the idea. The lack of safety that I felt right. while I was releasing control it can be scary. was really, really scary. Mm-hmm. So before we get to yes. what are the actual actions of non-action, right? Yeah. What are the actions mm-hmm. of surrender? How can we face the yeah. fear that comes with mm-hmm. admitting that we're not necessarily in control, which is, uh, this is another Mm -hmm. recovery technique, right? One Mm -hmm. of the the first thing in Alcoholics Anonymous is Mm -hmm. I give my power over, I I am not in control, you know, I'm going to be led, etc. So how do we face this fear? So, so this, I think you're you're hitting a very core um, bullseye into the essence of surrender here with, with, with your question. Um, control. I mean, on one level, and I'm, I'm going to do my best to break it down from very different angles to, okay. to provide a kind of a a Rubik's cube of a, a way of answering the question. Mm. Because on some level, you know, 
uh, control is an illusion and we're not really in control. It just appears as though we're in control. So on, on some level, I tell people relax because nothing is really in your control anyway. It's never really been in your control. It was just an illusion that it was in your control. And, and so not that that takes away the fear because surrender can, yes, let's just acknowledge it can feel difficult and it can seem terrifying, terrifying to the ego, mm. terrifying to the ego, the ego being what we perceive ourselves to be mistakenly. And so to understand the nature of something can transform your relationship to something. And so I think it's important that we are able to understand the nature of ego because it's ego, what we think we are, what we believe ourselves to be, what we've been conditioned to be, what we are sure that we are, it's ego that is terrified of surrendering. It's ego that resists surrender for good intention. It's ego that fights so hard to try to control everything and then control everything because ego is not a thing. It's a process. It's a process of activity. It's a process of activity that is reinforced. And so the job of the ego, ego is made up of past experiences, traumas, successes, failures, perceptions, beliefs, emotions, memories that we hold on to that we call me. And so the job of the ego is to reinforce its existence and to protect us to try to ensure that we never get hurt again like we were hurt when we were fine. And, and so even when I think about burnout, I'm looking at the word burnout behind you. Part of the way the ego reinforces its existence is to try to control everything because if I can control everything and make shit happen and manifest everything and be the doer, then I'm the doer, then I'm the one that's making everything, then I exist, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. I'm, and so the 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 pattern of doingness constantly doingness is a is the ego strategy of reinforcing its existence but we don't and realize value? That, that and value and validation and and struggling and if i can struggle then i'm here then i exist and so in that it gets freaking exhausting and so it's inevitable. I'm tired just listening to it. <laughs> it's inevitable that we will burn out for sure. And so, what I want to say is yes, for the ego, surrender can seem terrifying and surrender can seem difficult. But I want to start by explaining a few things and perhaps start with that surrender is our natural state, it's actually effortless. It's actually a natural state. We've just been conditioned out of it. Because I think surrender is not actually that difficult. Resisting is difficult. Holding on is difficult. We've just gotten so conditioned, for those that are listening on audio, I'm making a fist and I'm holding a pen and I'm tightening my fist and I'm tightening my fist. And I'm at first it feels you know, tiring, but eventually this holding on tightening posture starts to feel normal 
mm-hmm. and it, and it feels natural and we get used to it and this is how we live our lives so now you tell me surrender and it's like whoa but i'm so used to holding on but how easy is it to surrender it's actually easy to let this pain go but because we've been so conditioned to hold on out of self preservation self protection that Surrender can feel scary. So surrender is our natural state. That's what I just want people to get. Surrender is, in fact, hardwired into our physiology. The universe is reminding us that every moment of life is a process of surrender. We breathe in, we breathe out. Surrender. Breathe in, breathe out. It's like life reminding us, surrender, exhale, surrender, exhale, surrender, exhale. But we forgot it. And so if you look at a child, a child, when we're born, we're born free. We're born just surrendered. We we cry when we feel like it. We live in the moment. We're we're not so self conscious. We'll 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 jump on the table naked, and we're not wondering what do I look like. And we'll you know we'll sing. We don't care how we sound. We we don't care if we don't sound like Adele or Bruno Mars. We're just surrendered to the moment, to the flow, to just being our true, authentic, natural, essential selves. Just beingness, right? But. So what happens? We, we are surrendered. You know, we, we will hit our head, then we'll cry, but we're not, then we'll move on about our day. And two weeks later, we're not thinking about the fact we right. hit our head and judging ourselves. We just surrender to what, what is arising. We're not resisting what's arising. So what happens? Two things. And I think understanding this is, is also important. We incarnate into this human existence. We're born. We meet our parents. I know our parents, they're in interesting characters, right? They're just trying to do the best that they can do based on their upbringing and their conditioning and their childhood. And so now as human beings, we're born as babies, we're born into a preset pattern of conditioning. Maybe dad was crazy. Maybe mom was an alcoholic. Maybe there was abuse. Maybe they were fighting all the time. Maybe there was emotional instability. Maybe they were great people, but they just didn't know how to meet our emotional needs. And that was painful. So two things happen. The first thing is we learn all sorts of, most of which is unconscious strategies to shut down, disconnect, and not feel the pain of abandonment, the helplessness, the fear, the unsafety, which you spoke about, because it felt unsafe with this emotional instability. So we learn to shut down, disconnect, not feel. We erected all sorts of defense mechanisms and walls around ourselves to just keep ourselves safe control, 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 not feel suppressed, suppressed, control, not feel that emotion. And so that pattern of control as a self-protective mechanism kicks in from a very young age with good intention, you know, good intention that worked for us when we were five, works for us when we were 10, maybe works for us when we're 15, but probably by 25, 35, 45, starts getting in the way of our ability to connect, our ability to be intimate, our ability to relate and starts limiting us. And so those mechanisms of control, controlling our emotions as a way of regulating, kicks in as a form of self-protection that we hold on to. Then we go into life and we start, again, contorting ourselves into a kind of shape to become who we think we need to be in order to get love and validation and and approval and, and belonging and, and for me, my father was a preacher, a healer, a minister, had 300 churches. I, you know, I thought I needed to be the perfect boy, the perfect son, the holy one, the, the responsible one, the caretaking one. And so we all contort ourselves into a shape and we adopt a, a role, a persona, 
a mask of who we think we need to be to get that love validation approval. And we become a certain pattern. That pattern that has become a form of conditioning isn't who we really are. It's just what we've gotten conditioned to being in order to survive and function and avoid pain. And so the challenge is that pattern of conditionedness that we become becomes who we think we are because it gets reinforced by parents, culture, life, system, education, religion, those around us. And the more tightly we hold onto that way of being, the more limited we are. And the degree to which we're conditioned is the degree to which we're not truly free. And the degree to which we're holding on, that holding on is ego. And so now when you drop the word surrender, for ego, our perceived sense of self, surrender feels terrifying. Surrender feels like a death. It feels like a death. And so, of course, of course, we begin to resist. We resist. We resist. We resist as a self-protective mechanism. Ego's job to reinforce its existence and ego's job is to protect us. So when we understand that ego isn't a thing, it's an activity. And then when we understand that this activity, this pattern of conditioning is actually not what we are. It's not who we are. We've mistakenly thought that. It's not what we are. So even as we are called to let go of some of the pattern of how we're holding on, it's not that we die. It's not that we die because that pattern is not what we are. and, And so as we start to observe that, what I tell people is you don't have to force yourself to surrender. Because, oh my God, surrender the fear, the fear. What do I do with the fear? You don't have to override and make yourself surrender. Forcing yourself to surrender is not surrender. It just creates more resistance because that pattern of self-protection has been developed for a reason. So what we have to do is cultivate a relationship with it. And in that awareness and cultivation of a relationship with it, then we can learn to understand that that pattern is not me. Then we can start to observe it and then there's some space. Then we can perhaps begin to, rather than forcing oneself to surrender, because forcing surrender is also just another form of resistance. Then we can just begin to relate to the fear with compassion and love and start to actually just hold ourselves, you know, and hold that part of us that is afraid and is terrified of the thought of surrender and I'm not going to feel safe. We can just hold it and meet ourselves with understanding, with loving, with compassion, with gratitude. And I think when we actually stop trying to make ourselves surrender and we can just hold ourselves with loving, then that part of us that is afraid, that is resisting, can actually begin to just relax a little bit. And in that relaxation, it can let go a little bit. And in that letting go, surrender starts to blossom from within rather than something we impose on ourselves. And so sometimes we have to surrender to the fact that we may not be surrendered or surrendering (laughs) right now and allow that to be okay and meet ourselves there because 
those mechanisms are so delicate. Those those mechanisms are so fragile that they've been with us for so long that if we can just hold ourselves compassionately through the resistance and the fear, then we can actually relax and surrender can begin happening. Fried fam, how often have you heard me tell you to update your mugs or the blanket on your couch? I am so thrilled right now to tell you that I am now partnering with Barabi, that's B-E-A-R-A-B-Y, to bring you the most comfortable and most comforting blankets on the market. Barabi offers a variety of weighted blankets, including the tree napper, which is a cooling option for those who get too hot, the velvet napper, which is made of ocean-bound plastic bottles, plus... They make the Hug It, a sensory knot pillow that will help you find calm, reduce anxiety, and bring your nervous system into a more regulated state. If I were you, I'd get one yesterday. You can find them on Instagram at mybarabee or online at barabee.com. That's B-E-A-R-A-B-Y.com, and that will be in the show notes. So it sounds like to me when you say this, the thing that's coming up, one of the things that we talk about constantly on on the podcast is that in order for recovery to happen from burnout, one of the things we need to create with within ourselves and without ourselves, so environmentally, physically, emotionally, is safety. Safety, yeah. Right. So this yeah. is what you're talking about now is, is allowing something ourselves. to be, yes, and, yes. and creating safety the, within the self. That's part of surrender is, yeah. is allowing something to be, is, yeah. is, 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 is creating that safety to to allow ourselves to be where we're at, not as a kind of wallowing, but just to, to accept and meet ourselves and to meet ourselves where we're at and to not reject those parts of ourselves. And I think part of healing, true healing is the ability to love those parts of ourselves that are hurting, love those parts of ourselves that are in pain. And when we push them away, sometimes with some ideal notion of being some better version of ourselves. Oh, I got to be more surrendered and I'm not surrendered. So I've got to like <laughs> resist this. We actually keep ourselves more stuck. And so p- surrender is embracing. We could say this way, part of true surrender is embracing whatever is arising right now and meeting it with loving, meeting it with compassion. Within yourself. Within ourselves. Within yes. ourselves. Within because ourselves. what we don't necessarily need to do is always, I think, personal feeling, maybe maybe you'll uh-huh. disagree, is always accept what's happening on the outside. One of the things that we teach here is that when your external environment is really not suitable for you. So there's, there's a lot of research in burnout that says 80% of it is a company's fault, is the company mm. doesn't have things set up properly, et cetera. I don't believe this to be true, but the research does support it currently. Um, and I I do believe that there are situations that if we're going to use the way you're explaining it, that will feed off of the patterns and masks and holding thing and, and the holding patterns that you've created because a company finds those holding patterns useful. So you use them and then you use them more because they help you to yeah. be successful. Mm-hmm. Right. So I do believe that sometimes. Mm. We need to remove ourselves from situations that require the very things yeah. we're trying to surrender, right? So so I, I want to 
what what I w- would love for you to do for people is create a distinction between acceptance of being treated poorly, for instance, acceptance of abuse, and surrender. Like yes. if we look, if we look. surrender, are we just supposed yeah, to allow look, things look, to happen? Look, right. Look, so look. Yes. this is so, and this so, is a big so, big topic around here. Yeah. So 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 I think we do have to accept. Mm. But acceptance doesn't mean you stay. Okay. And that's the difference. Okay. I, I, because many times people are in denial. They're like, yeah. no, this abuse isn't happening. Well, no, you know, Jimmy's having a bad month, a bad year. It's been a bad freaking decade he's been having, <laughs> right? Or she's been having, right? Yeah. And, and, and sometimes we're always negotiating and rationalizing yeah. and we're in denial. And so, no, we have to maybe come to a place of accepting like, this is abusive. Right. That is acceptance. This is abusive. And to accept what is actually happening without denial, without rationalization, without justification, just the acceptance of the reality of what is. This is what is happening. And I must remove myself. Yes. And now that is painful to feel. So so let let me back it up. There is a difference between acceptance and surrender right and this is this was but, the line but, but, that but, i'm so, so yes so so but there is a difference between acceptance and mm-hmm. surrender but except many people we first start off unconscious then we move into maybe resistance then we go into like denial then we start mm-hmm. negotiating well maybe it's not so bad maybe this job situation is not that bad maybe my boss isn't that bad maybe the working environment acceptance the next phase is realizing no matter how much you negotiate with yourself make excuses it is what it is it's mm-hmm. abusive it's w- not working it's toxic to just like, accept this is a toxic situation boom that is the beginning of transformation that doesn't mean you stay, but to live in denial of that in some way. Sometimes we spirit, we kind of use a spiritual bypass yes. as a way of not accepting. Because, of not acting. Of not accepting. Because if I don't accept that this is a toxic situation or, this, or, or yeah. my partner is abusive, then I don't actually have to do something about it. Then I don't actually have to leave. And sometimes we're afraid of coming into acceptance because we're afraid, oh, shit, if I actually accept that this is an abusive situation and really is very bad, I might have to actually do something about it. But if I'm in denial and I don't accept, then I can always rationalize. No. And so acceptance is a, I think, key phase. Mm. This is what's happening. This is not working. This is abusive. And then you can start feeling what arises when you're in relationship with reality. So that's the first step. Now, okay. between acceptance and surrender, there is, a, there is a phase in the middle that most people miss. Mm. And this phase in the middle that most people miss is the phase of grieving. Many times, see, I think that grieving is the doorway from acceptance to surrender. Because when I truly accept, this relationship is screwed up. This relation, this person is not working. This job environment is killing me. And I finally just accept that. The question is now what? It brings up all sorts of things. And so 
grieving is a necessary portal that we often, especially spiritual folks, we often bypass, we often miss, we often, you know, go around as a way to not deal. Mm -hmm. But sometimes we don't allow ourselves to grieve because we're afraid the feeling will last forever. Mm. Sometimes we don't allow ourselves to grieve fully because we're afraid we won't be able to handle it. It will be too overwhelming. Sometimes we don't allow ourselves to grieve and accept and grieve because if I don't, for instance, if I don't really accept that my mother is dead, then maybe I can always have, always hold on to her. Mm-hmm. And I don't have, if I don't accept that this relationship is toxic and it's over, then maybe I can always like hold on to the connection with this yes. person. And, and, and so it's the grieving yeah. that allows you to let go fully. It's the grieving, the willingness to acknowledge the feeling, Mm. acknowledge the pain, acknowledge the hurt, acknowledge whatever's going on that allows you to feel it fully so that you can actually begin letting that situation go, letting that dynamic go to maybe realize this work environment is terrible. I've been here 10 years. I don't know what else I'm going to do, but I'm afraid, but I know it's killing me and, and I need to get out. And to accept that and to begin grieving the death See, surrender is a death. And when we allow ourselves to fully, fully, fully accept, then we can fully grieve. And when we fully grieve, that's when we're able to let go. Mm. That's I when love let go. this grief section because this is another topic that comes up constantly in these parts. Because, And I think a lot of people, mm. in addition to the reasons you listed, don't grieve because grieving is not common in our culture. <laughs> We don't grieve well. And, and so they don't even know that they should. Right. There's this, because of this constant spiritual bypassing that we're taught, think positive, be, you know, like be happy, stay in your manifestation power. You know, there's a a lot of this. That creates burnout. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, so this inability to grieve sometimes is a, a lack of acknowledgement that grief is an appropriate response to a situation. A lot of people that go through burnout end up leaving part of their identities behind because Mm -hmm. they leave, you know, law or medicine or Mm -hmm. whatever job and title brought them importance in the past. Mm -hmm. And they have to go through this process. And we're not taught that you're supposed to grieve those things. So I think a lot of people don't grieve because they just don't know that that's normal and they're supposed to. See, when we when we don't allow ourselves to grieve, we don't fully let go right. of what's not working. Right. And when we don't let go of what's not working, then we keep doing more of what's not working. Yeah. And when we keep doing more of what's not working, trying to keep the status quo, that's what gets exhausting. Yeah, exactly. That's also what leads to burnout. Yeah. But when we allow ourselves to grieve, even though sometimes it's a bit scary, that's what allows a letting a, a death to happen, a letting go to happen. Then we can actually start shifting our behaviors and moving into something that is more nurturing for our souls, more mm-hmm. soul fulfilling. And that's what shifts our relationship also, I think, with Bernard. I love this so much. And I, I want to take a minute, fried fam, to mm-hmm. to give you just a moment to digest. Because there, this has been incredibly powerful and important 
And and if you just need a minute, because it's likely that in this talk of grief, you have come up with a few things that you said, oh, shit, I might need to. What have I not grieved? Yeah. What do I need to look at here? And so if you need a minute right now, throw us on pause. We've only got about 10 minutes left, but throw us on pause and make a list. Open a Google Doc, open your notes in your phone and write down a few things. The things that you might need to grieve might be positions. They might be positions that you held. They might be relationships that you have. They might be identities that you held on to for a long time that you don't need anymore, right? So give yourself permission and give yourself a moment to write down whatever came up during this time because when we're doing one-on-one coaching this is always part of the process and I've ne- I never noticed that until this conversation it always happens we mm-hmm. always do it we always go through it mm-hmm. exactly like you're talking about <laughs> never used these words mm. so it's it's improving my own framework and giving me a lot to think about in in my own space but I just do want everybody out there to to just take a beat, just just take a take a minute, and then when you're ready, come back to us because we're gonna we're gonna close uh, up with some good stuff for you. So the thing that's on my mind now, sure, is we get to a place of acceptance of what's going on. Critical. We go through the grieving process of this isn't what I thought it was, and it's not good for me. We go through that process. We let go. We find ourselves in surrender. And what I would love for people to understand and what I would love to understand myself is what is the connection or the relationship between surrender and action and surrender and non-action? Because we just talked about acceptance. And if you are in a situation that's really shitty and you need to get out, part of the acceptance is accept it and then leave. Right. So th- there's an action involved there. I think a lot of people are afraid of surrender because they think it means like non-action. laying down yeah, non-action. Yeah. And that and yeah, that's so, not uh, true. So what where's the surrender? Yes, yeah, surrender does not mean non-action, mm-hmm. laying down, doing nothing. That is sometimes laziness. That <laughs> is sometimes a cop-out. I'm yeah. just gonna uh, just go with the flow. I'm surrendering. So I'm, no, 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 no. Sometimes surrender means disciplining yourself to do what you actually don't feel like doing because you're surrendering to a deeper calling and commitment mm-hmm. and and that can be surrender right yeah. and 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 so i think part of surrender is to feel the most authentic impulse of what is seeking to express part of surrender is feeling your deepest truth what is the deepest truth at least that you can access right now mm-hmm. the deepest calling to feel like what is the universe seeking to express through me? What is seeking to, 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 to move? What, what is the deepest impulse of what life is seeking to move and express through me? And to attune to that, to feel that and move in that direction, to act in that direction. You don't have to know where it's going to lead you. And you, and here's one mistake I see. That Everybody just make. went, ah. Yeah. You don't have to know where it's going to lead you. You yeah. don't have to know where it's going to take you. And here's a mistake that I see a lot of people make as to why they also don't take action. You don't have to even understand the action you're taking. 
the constant the constant need to what does it mean what does it mean why why what does it mean is another ego form of control that thinks if i can understand everything then i can control everything and i'm not going to get hurt but to truly surrender here's what i'll say there's fake surrender and real surrender (laughs) (laughs) fake surrender this might bust a few people is when you're like well I know I need to do this thing and take this action. Like if I leave, you got to let something go to get it back. So I'm going to leave with to the get it back. with the attachment and the intention <laughs> that it comes back to me. Right. So it's kind of like surrender with conditions, mm. not true surrender. Mm. True surrender is when you're like, you know, it might be scary, but deep down, we put a gun to your head. You know, you know, you need to do this thing. It's just there. It's subtle. It's a sense. It's a feeling. You might want to deny, but if you're honest, this is this is the thing. And so, true surrender is to go in that direction of the unknown, of the action that feels like where the flow is moving, the authentic impulse is moving, to go in that direction without any attachment or agenda or need to know where it's going to lead you. If I do X, Y, Z, it's going to lead to X, Y, Z. It might, but when you truly surrender, you're taking the action without a pre-projected sense of what might happen. When you truly follow that right aligned action, you are not limiting the possibility of the manifestation with what you're already projecting into the future. You're actually fully open to anything can happen. There's there's actually no limits. Often you don't know what will occur from the action you're taking. And that's in that seeming void is where the magic can happen because you're not projecting into the future based on your past and based on your mind, based on your past experience. Based on your fears. You're standing based on your fears. You're standing or your conditioning. You're standing in the possibility of, I don't know. Uh, And that is surrender. Like, I don't know. That's trust. I don't know. But in that I don't know is infinite possibilities. There's no limitations. Like, anything can happen. I don't know, but I'm available. And so I think the degree to which we are willing to embrace the unknown is the degree to which we're free. And that's, to me, the magic. And so... I think one key component in surrender, especially as we act, is the quality of curiosity, Mm. the ability to be curious. Mm -hmm. Like when something occurs, something doesn't occur, when you're guided to take a certain action, to not think you know what it means, where it's going to go, what's going to happen, what this relationship means. It's just, just to be like, this is what I'm guided to do, and I'm available, I'm open. And I'm curious. Curiosity is a key quality in surrender because then as you act, the action that you're guided to take is not arising from your past conditioning. It's arising from an unconditioned dimension of your being. And so that when you act, you're creating an alignment with your soul. You're creating an alignment with consciousness. You're creating an alignment with with spirit, you're creating an alignment with the divine. And that is when the magic happens. And so then when you act, part of surrender is the willingness to allow life to show you. You take Mm -hmm. the action and life shows you. 
and now life leads you, that willingness to allow life to lead you rather than you pushing life with your mind. That's the magic of surrender. Looking for the breadcrumbs. So I want everybody um, to know that (laughs) Fried, the burnout podcast, was created Mm. from an act of surrender. Mm. This was a moment of despair Mm. in my life. When I started the podcast, I went to bed in tears. Wow. And I thought, and I said, I need, I, I particularly, whether it's God or the diviner, I talked to my grandmothers and I said, ladies, I call them ladies. I said, ladies, listen, I, I, it's, everything is broken. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this time. I can't even stand. I can't physically stand. I'm not going to be able to walk for almost a year. Like what, what am I supposed to do? And I woke up in the morning and I had fried the ultimate guide to burnout podcast, like ticker tape across my forehead. Wouldn't go away. Wouldn't go away. Wouldn't go away. I said, okay, okay. I didn't know how to do a podcast. Mm -hmm. I didn't know anything about this. And now here we are three and a half years later, and I'm talking to you who's been all over the world, a spiritual leader who's on the same kind of lists as Oprah, who's been on Larry King live and has this. This is this is the result of Beautiful. surrender and action. There you go. So I want to just throw that out there for my listeners because I get a lot of emails about how the podcast is helpful for people, but I need you to know now that it came from this. Yeah. This is how surrender. I got here. I didn't get uh-huh. here from stopping and saying, I need to make a thing. No, I got here because I cried until my pillow was wet and said, I'm lost. What do I do now? Mm-hmm. And this is what came. So thank you so much for this entire conversation. And before we go away, I know that there are going to be people who are going to say, I need, I need more of him <laughs> and I need where all the places. So how can people find you? How can they get in touch Before with I you? Say that, can I say one thing? Yes, of course. There's, there's one thing that might also help people Yeah, is um, two, actually two things. The first thing is if you look at the best things, if we all just do this exercise, just look at the best things in your life mm. that have happened, the best things, meeting the love of your life, meeting your soulmate, having your kid, going here. Like, if you look at the best things that have happened in your life, did you plan them? Most of us didn't plan them. They kind of happened <laughs> in the process of living that we look back and go, wow, I couldn't have planned that and i and and so i think if we look at that like if the best things happen that we didn't plan why not live that way you know why not (laughs) live that way and and for those that might be wondering how do i how do i trust life i'm going to say how do you not trust life Hmm. how do you like if you look at life i'm looking outside there's freaking clouds what the hell are clouds there's clouds there's a sky (laughs) You know, we, 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 we go through life like this stuff is normal, but there's a cloud that's floating in the sky. There's an airplane and there's trees. And it's like, <laughs> this shit is amazing, you know? And right now we're having this conversation. Yeah. We're breathing. None of us are going, okay, we have to manifest breath. We have to breathe. Let's force breath. Let's do breath. Breathe. Some super duper breath technique. It's just happening. 
<laughs> we ate breakfast this morning. I had a slice of toast. How is it that my hand doesn't turn into toast? There is an intelligence that knows exactly what to do. An innate intelligence that is breathing me, breathing you, trillions. Mm. It knows how to digest your food, cut your finger. It knows exactly how to heal you. There is an intelligence inside that is functioning trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions of cells simultaneously. Right now, without any of your effort, I'm going to propose the same intelligence as functioning the sun, the stars, nature, all, all elements of existence. It knows. It's what you are. It's what I am. It's what we are. And it knows exactly how to unfold your life. So let's surrender to that. And so look in the mirror, tune into your breath, tune into your body, meditate on your body, be in nature and be reminded of the magnificence of the reality of life. Life, I think every moment is showing us we can trust it, you know. And so for those that uh, want to find out more, go deeper. First, get the book, The Magic of Surrender. It's, it goes deep into it's like a roadmap into living surrender in every area of your life. That's It's available on Amazon, uh, on paperback. For those that want to know more about my work, they can just go to my website, kootblackson.com, K-U-T-E-B-L-A-C-K-S-O-N, kootblackson.com. For those that want to go deeper, twice a year I do an event in Bali, 2023, or depending on people listen to this conversation, I'm doing my last Bali events this year. Uh, so July the 28th, is the next one, 12 days, an experiential seminar training without walls in Bali for those that feel called to their next level, www.boundlessblissbali.com. All of those things, as per usual, my burnt out brains out there in the universe uh -huh. will be in the show notes for you so you don't have to remember anything. I will always have them for you. Coot, once again, thank you so much for being here today. Fried fam. I'm really going to want to know how you're feeling after this one. So head mm -hmm. into the Facebook group and, and give us a chat and let us know what you're thinking and how we can help. And, um, you know, if you just need a little handholding for a moment so that you can take the next step, you know, we've got you until next time.